Hello, and welcome back to Weird on the Rocks. This is a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. I'm your host, Katie. So today I'm going to be talking about something that has been all over the news and internet recently, and that is Area 51. But before we get into it, I want to give a little quick shout out to my friend Nolan. Nolan is six years old, and he's a big fan of the show. He actually recently asked me if I could do another Alien episode, and of course I said yes, because how can you say no to a six-year-old? So this one's for you, Nolan. I hope you like it. So unless you've been hiding under a rock, you have most likely heard of Area 51. About two months ago, a man named Maddie Roberts created a Facebook event called Raid Area 51 as a joke, but the event got lots of online attention, and currently it says that 1.9 million people have registered as going to this event on Facebook, which will take place on September 20th. And although the majority of these people are also joking and just playing along with this guy, there actually seem to be some people who are serious about this. The creator, Maddie Roberts, is now somewhat worried that this might actually take place and that people will show up, and he's concerned about people's safety. He actually did an interview with Time Magazine a few weeks ago where he suggested that instead of a raid, they put together a music festival. He said, I want to have a bunch of different musical artists, everybody from the EDM world, and then maybe some indie rock, maybe some smaller guys that are up and coming. I've had a lot of people DMing the page saying their bands want to play there, which would be super cool. He also said he's in the talks with hotels and vendors from Rachel, Nevada, which is the town nearest to Area 51. And Area 51 themselves have actually put out a statement telling people, do not come here. Area 51 has extreme safety precautions, and they're basically saying if you come here, we will shoot you. You will get hurt. Don't try it. So whether or not any of this actually takes place, my guess is it won't. This whole raid proposal has lots of people talking about Area 51. So today I'm going to cover what exactly Area 51 is and why there is so much mystery and secrecy surrounding it. As always, you can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Weird on the Rocks podcast and the website weirdontherocks.weebly.com. Please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening now and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it. And before we get into the good stuff today, I want to share this week's beverage of choice. Today I am drinking a delicious peach daiquiri, which has fresh peaches, rum, lime juice, sugar, and ice. It is so good. Again, this is something that is delicious on a hot day. My husband and I just had some yesterday when we were sitting out by the pool, and I recently saw a friend who was telling me, I always say these drinks sound good outside next to the pool, but it's true. I love refreshing, bubbly, fruity drinks. So I'm thinking in the fall and winter, I'm going to have to switch it up a little bit and drink um, not fruity cocktails. But I can't help it. I'm just a big fan of day drinking out in the sun and lounging around with a cocktail. What can I say? All right, well, cheers and let's get weird.
Area 51 is the common name of a highly classified United States Air Force facility and is located within the Nevada Test and Training Range. Officially, the facility is called Homey Airport or Groom Lake. The area is about 80 miles from Las Vegas and the nearest town is Rachel with a population of less than 100 people. The Air Force acquired the site in 1955 primarily for flight testing the Lockheed U-2 aircraft. The original base was 6 by 10 miles, but is now incorporated into an area measuring 23 by 25 miles and is called Groom Box. The perimeter of the base is marked by orange posts and patrolled by guards in white pickup trucks and camouflage fatigues. The guards will not answer questions about their employers. However, according to the New York Daily News, there are indications they are employed through an independent contractor. Signs around the base perimeter advise that deadly force is authorized against trespassers. Technology is also heavily used to maintain the border of the base. This includes surveillance cameras and motion detectors. Some of these motion detectors are placed some distance away from the base on public land to notify guards of people approaching. In 2015, no drone zone signs were also put up. Without authorization, you can get to the front gate warning signs for the base. However, it is said that the actual base is 15 miles from that front gate. Although details of the facility's operations are not publicly known, The Air Force says it is an open training range and it most likely supports the development and testing of experimental aircraft and weapons systems. The airspace above Area 51 is known as R-4808N and is restricted to all commercial and military flights not originating from the base itself. And each plane from the base uses the word Janet, followed by three digits as a call sign to the airport's control tower. Knowingly flying into the airspace is a serious offense, and pilots can face a court-martial, dishonorable discharge, and time in prison as a result. Area 51 got its name from old maps of the Nevada test site that defined the area around Groom Lake as Area 51. Due to the high level of secrecy surrounding Area 51, there are many conspiracy theories in regards to what is actually happening behind those walls. Although the base has never been declared a secret base, All research and occurrences within Area 51 are considered top secret and sensitive compartmented information. The CIA publicly acknowledged the existence of the base for the first time on June 25, 2013, and they declassified documents detailing the history and purpose of Area 51. Since 1955, numerous aircraft tests have been done in the area. The CIA first used the area for Project Aquatone, which developed the Lockheed U-2, which is an American single-jet engine, ultra-high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft operated by the Air Force. The dry lake bed made the perfect landing strip for test flights. The designer of the aircraft, Kelly Johnson, started to refer to the area as Paradise Ranch in hopes of attracting workers to the area. Over the course of a few months, the ranch began to grow, eventually housing a movie theater and volleyball court for employees. In 1959, Project Oxcart was established on the base, which included anti-radar studies and aerodynamic structural tests, as well as work on the Lockheed A-12, another reconnaissance aircraft. By 1960, the base began to be widely known as Area 51. Around this time, construction also increased. Some new things that were built were bigger landing strips, upwards of 10 Navy hangars, 
a fire station, and a recreation area, including a pond, gymnasium, and baseball diamond. In January 1962, the Federal Aviation Administration expanded the restricted airspace in the vicinity of Groom Lake, and the lake bed became the center of 600-square-mile addition to the already restricted air zone. Other aircraft tests done at the base include designing and testing of D-21, a high-speed, high-altitude drone aircraft, the SR-71 Blackbird, and the F-117 Nighthawk Stealth Fighter. However, many believe that Area 51 is used for more than aircraft testing. For decades, there have been rumors and speculations that Area 51 is purposely hiding top-secret operations from the public and specifically operations dealing with extraterrestrials. The beginning of these speculations began 72 years ago in Roswell, New Mexico. In 1947, an unidentified flying object, or UFO, crashed at a ranch in Roswell, New Mexico. Immediately, speculation began that this object was a flying saucer with aliens inside. Believers in this theory claimed that the aliens in charge of navigating the ship were probably injured in the crash and kept by the government or military to study and conduct tests on. Eight years after the crash in Roswell, Area 51 was established. It is widely believed that the wreckage from the crash in Roswell, as well as the aliens themselves, were moved to Area 51 to be studied there. Several decades later, the U.S. military finally addressed the crash, stating that it was a nuclear test surveillance balloon from Project Mogul. However, many do not believe this and think that something else happened and that Area 51 is the site of extraterrestrial testing to this day. In fact, a public poll done by CNN in 1997 that is still available online states that 80% of people at the time believed that the government is hiding knowledge about the existence of extraterrestrials from the public. Since the crash in Roswell and the creation of Area 51, numerous people who claim to have inside information have come forward. In 1980, a book titled The Roswell Incident, written by Charles Berlitz and William Moore, was published. In this book, the authors included interviews from 90 people who claimed to have seen debris from the Roswell crash or actual aliens. Those interviewed for the book had claims such as they saw the UFO get struck by lightning, then crash. They found debris that was nothing like the material of a weather balloon like the government claimed and that they saw a dead alien body. 11 years later, in 1991, the book UFO Crash at Roswell was written by Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt, which included 100 new witnesses, including several who claimed to have seen an alien autopsy being performed. By 1994, there were so many different rumors and theories surrounding the Roswell crash and Area 51 that researchers decided to hold a conference to try and sift through the evidence. The Center for UFO Studies and the Mutual UFO Network, which are two leading UFO societies, conducted more interviews. They decided that they disagreed with the findings put forth by these books. They concluded that the stories from the so-called eyewitnesses varied too much and that nobody could provide any tangible hard evidence of ever seeing anything. They believed that these people were simply repeating the claims of others and that all of their information would be considered hearsay in a court of law. They also found that many of the witnesses were of old age, and some did not seem mentally coherent enough to properly remember. After this conference was held, the Office of the United States Secretary of the Air Force was forced to conduct an internal investigation. 
The result was summarized in two reports. In the first report, they found that the debris recovered from the Roswell crash was most likely material from the weather balloon that was part of Project Mogul. The second report, released in 1997, concluded that reports of recovered alien bodies were likely a combination of innocently transformed memories of accidents involving military casualties with memories of the recovery of anthropomorphic dummies in military programs such as the 1950s Operation High Dive mixed with hoaxes perpetrated by various witnesses and UFO proponents. So basically, they said that the eyewitnesses were getting military memories mixed up with stories they had heard, and therefore accidentally creating false memories of things that never really happened. However, there is one man who has come forward to talk about his experience working at Area 51 that has many people questioning the truth. His name is Bob Lazar, and if you're interested in alien life or UFOs at all, you have most likely heard this name. Bob Lazar, who was born in 1959, grew up interested in engineering and pyrotechnics. As a teenager, he built jet engines and attached them to his bike, and he even built a particle accelerator in his bedroom so he could produce chemicals for his homemade hydrogen-powered Corvette. He claims to have studied physics at MIT and worked at the Mason facility at Los Alamos National Laboratories, where he says he was approached to come work at a secret facility. In May 1989, the then 30-year-old Lazar appeared in an interview with investigative reporter George Knapp on Las Vegas TV station KLAS under the pseudonym Dennis. With his face blurred, he discussed his supposed employment at S4, a subsidiary facility he claimed exists near Area 51. He said the facility was adjacent to Papoose Lake, which is located south of the main Area 51 facility. He claimed the site consisted of camouflaged aircraft hangars built into a mountainside that when looking at them with the naked eye appeared to be rock, but actually opened up into hangars housing alien aircrafts. Lazar said that his job was to help with the reverse engineering of one of nine flying saucers. Bob claims one of the flying saucers, the one he coined the sport model, was manufactured out of a metallic substance similar in appearance and touch to stainless steel. He said that the craft was fueled by atomic element number 115, Muscovium, which didn't actually exist. However, in 2003, 14 years after Bob Lazar first spoke of Muscovium, it was discovered by scientists and added to the periodic table of elements. He said that the use of this element allowed the craft to create anti-gravity waves, which has never been seen before on Earth, and something that humans still have not been able to replicate. In the interview, Lazar says, This technology doesn't exist at all. He compared working on this craft to bringing a nuclear engine to people from the Victorian era. They wouldn't even know what they were looking at and wouldn't be able to do much with it. He explained that the craft he worked on looked like a half of a basketball on top of a plate and opened from the top. He said the inside was smooth with no lines, seams, or corners. There were several small seats carved into the inside made for very small beans and that the people working on the craft referred to them as the kids, although he never saw any of these beans. 
Lazar also described a hand scanner that was used on employees to gain access to the S4 site. He said it was a device that used metal lines to scan the bone density and bone size and distance in your hands, which is different for every person and more accurate than using fingerprints. At the time, this claim was met with great disbelief because this technology Lazar spoke of wasn't real. However, when being interviewed again in 2017 for the documentary Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, on camera Lazar was shown a recent declassified photo of a military hand scanner that was similar to his description in 1989. Lazar was stunned and said it was exactly like the device he saw and that he hasn't seen anything similar since working at S4 in the 80s. Lazar also claims that while working at the base, they did routine test flights of these crafts, which always took place late Wednesday nights. And there are numerous eyewitnesses who claim to have seen strange lights flying near Area 51 on Wednesday nights. But just as there are many who believe Bob Lazar and his story, there are many who have also discredited him. Lazar claims to have gone to MIT, although there is no record of him ever attending the school. He also claims to have worked at Los Alamos National Laboratories, which cannot be confirmed either, although George Knapp, who interviewed him in 1989, was able to find Bob's name on an internal phone book for the Los Alamos Laboratories. Bob Lazar believes that his records from MIT and Los Alamos have somehow been erased because the government does not want the public to believe him. During Lazar's original interview in 1989, he said the reason he came forward with this information was because he believed it to be a crime against the American people and scientific community to keep such information a secret and that the public should know the truth. Now, in recent years, Lazar does interviews without blurring his face and he uses his real name. He says he has no ulterior motives to lie about what he was working on in the 80s and, if anything, his decision to come forward with this information changed his life for the worse. Lazar has been subject to two FBI raids, one which came just a day after filming a secretive conversation with director Jeremy Corbell, while filming the 2018 documentary. Lazar says that the previous day's conversations, which took place in the woods and can actually be seen in the documentary, was directly mentioned by two FBI agents the next day during the raid, causing Lazar to believe that he was being watched. He believes that these raids are trying to find secret information about Element 115, although both raids have found nothing. Lazar told Newsweek he agreed to do the recent documentary because he'd noticed increasingly inaccurate information about himself in print publications. He says he's not aiming to prove his story 100% true, though he knows it is. He's just trying to set the record straight. He has also explained that he is releasing public information as a kind of insurance, so that if something bad ever did happen to him, that the public would be aware of who he was and the information he had. Lazar now owns and operates United Nuclear Scientific Equipment and Supplies, which sells a variety of materials including radiation sensors, radioactive ores, non-radioactive elements such as pure silicone, powerful magnets, and other scientific equipment such as aerogel, as well as a variety of lab chemicals. If you're interested in learning more about Bob Lazar and his story, you can watch the documentary Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers, which is available on Netflix, or listen to his interview on the Joe Rogan podcast that came out in June. 
Lazar has always stuck to his story and has remained consistent about the details since his first interview in 1989. And although many think he is making all of this up for fame or money, he has definitely drawn attention and publicity to Area 51, causing many to question what is really happening behind the secretive walls and camouflaged guards. Among the belief that the remains of the Roswell crash and injured aliens are being studied at Area 51 and the claims brought forth by Bob Lazar, there are even more conspiracies surrounding Area 51. Some believe it is actually a meeting place for humans and extraterrestrials, including President Dwight Eisenhower's great-granddaughter Laura saying he met with extraterrestrials during his presidency. Some believe the area is a testing site for exotic energy weapons or the development of weather control, and others even believe the site is used for teleportation and time travel technology. Whatever really lies behind the perimeter of Area 51, whether it be something radical like testing alien spacecrafts and studying alien bodies, or something mundane like testing out new airplanes, the government is trying to do all they can to keep the public out and uninformed. So I'm not really sure what I believe when it comes to Area 51. I definitely believe in aliens, and I think aliens have visited us in some form or another, and they may be still here. Who knows? I think that whatever is going on in Area 51, the government doesn't want us knowing, and there's obviously a reason for that. Or maybe there's literally nothing going on there, and they want us to think there is, and there's a reason for that too. I think there once was something happening there and it got a lot of attention and they moved everything and now Area 51 is actually empty and is just a distraction and they don't want people going there or flying over because they would see that there's nothing happening. I think once Area 51 got attention and especially after Bob Lazar came out with his information, I think that they moved things somewhere even more secretive, like maybe to another country, and that Area 51 is just a distraction from something bigger that is happening. Maybe in 20 years, we will discover the new base, and then they'll move things again, and it'll keep going because whatever's happening, they don't want us to know. I definitely wouldn't put it past our government to hide something important from us, um, especially because they probably are scared of creating mass hysteria. If they came out and said, yes, there are aliens at Area 51, it would be absolute mayhem and people would be scared. So in a way, I understand why they want to keep these things top secret. I also don't know how I feel about Bob Lazar's story. If you've seen interviews with him and seen him talk or watch the latest documentary, it's hard not to like this guy. And I want to believe him. The way he talks and carries himself, he seems really trustworthy. And he's said before, he isn't making a lot of money off this stuff. And he seems like a normal, credible guy living a normal life. But there isn't any physical evidence to substantiate his claims, which is problematic. I, I do hope that someday something will maybe come out to prove that he's telling the truth, because I think his story is really cool. And I love the idea of there being an alien spacecraft at Area 51 and that an alien spacecraft really did crash at Roswell. I mean, how, how cool would that really be? I also hope that maybe someday someone or an organization or something will be able to get into Area 51 or obtain something from inside that can tell the public what's really going on and expose the truth. I mean, 
there have never been any guards or employees or anyone other than Bob Lazar who has come forward. So either there's absolutely nothing going on there, or they're making these people probably sign serious contracts before they are employed there saying, if you come out with public information, we will find you and we will kill you or, you know, ruin your life in some way. But I really want to know what you guys think on this. I feel like more so recently, there has been so much speculation and talk of Area 51. There are memes and videos and it's kind of going viral again and blowing up. Do you guys think there's something really going on there? Do you think nothing is happening? I really want to know. There's so much information out there. I wasn't able to cover even probably a quarter of it. So I encourage you to do your own research and really dive deeper into this and see for yourself what you think. And let me know. I want to talk about this. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Weird on the Rocks Podcast and my website weirdontherocks.weebly.com. So come chat with me and let me know your thoughts. And until next time, cheers and stay weird. That was a Titan Cast episode.